preaching, well, I guess it's been all this month, hasn't it? Maybe uh, even before. And um, so, there's that thing. So anyway, so here we go this morning, looking forward to it today. So we're getting back into our Pure Work series. And we're looking at the pure work that Jesus Christ uh, has performed, not only on the cross, but that which he performed leading up to the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection, which is the pinnacle event uh, in human history, which changed everything uh, known to mankind. But I stopped and I, th- I started thinking this morning, as you look at the pure work that Jesus Christ performed, the pure work on the cross, the pure work that he's doing now in preparation uh, for a place for us in heaven to be with him for all eternity, the pure work that he's left us to perform. As we heard Brother Andy read uh, just earlier in our verses that Jesus Christ says, greater works that, that, than these that you will do, he's saying, amen. And I got thinking about that. And, and uh, you know I, I know, I know some of you here, you know, Brother Kelton, he bangs the drum about being here on Wednesday night. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, keep banging, all right? The church doors are open, keep banging. You bang the drum, and because uh, I think it's important. I think an earmark, guys, of our society, it's not I'll just think this, this is actually truth. An earmark of our society is when the lack of importance for the house of God amongst the citizens in the country. Now, you can say what you want to, but the proof is in the pudding. You're telling me today, is our country better today than it was when it was lined up with Christian values? Amen. No, it's not. It is not. I mean, you look at a world today, Sunday has become just another day of the week. I'm I'm absolutely flabbergasted that packages will actually be delivered to our house on a Sunday. It's amazing. The rugby pitchers are chuck full on a Sunday and the pews sit empty in the church. And the sad part about it is those that name the name of Christ have done zero to stand against it. And that's why we're in the shape and the condition that we're in today. Paul said that the time will come when they will depart from sound doctrine, giving heeds, you know, unto fables, giving heeds to these false doctrines, seducing spirits, he calls them. Oh, preacher, I haven't been seduced. It's just, you know... Our children need to have a sport. Our children need to have a club. They need to have an activity. They need to have friends. You've been seduced. Amen. (laughs) Don't tell me you have. We raised four children. Not one time were they at a ballpark on a Sunday. And and, and they all played sports. And they all had clubs. And they all had this and that. But the people at the park that I coached at, amen, for many years, knew the stand that I had. They said, Brother Stagner, he won't have practice on Wednesday night. He won't practice or play on a Sunday. And guess what they did, guys? They worked their schedule around us. That's what happens when people of God take a stand for what is right. Businesses should do the very same thing. I looked up this morning just prior to service, and I wanted to bring this to just for your thought. Many of you people have heard about about a a company. It's in the States. I think there's actually one uh, in the UK now, but I think it's way, way up north in North England or something. Uh, it's called Chick-fil-A, all right? Now, mind you guys, I know I'm talking about Chick-fil-A. It's still fast food, all right? Yes, it's good, and, but it's still fast food. So I'm not up here promoting um, fast food. You're not going to turn into a, a health, you know, a, a magnet of, of health just because you eat uh, Chick-fil-A. But 
Chick-fil-A guys, uh, you know, have, they, have, they have locations all over the U.S., and every Sunday they close. They're closed on Sundays. This is what they, when they opened the first Chick-fil-A up in 1946, this is what they agreed to do the very first Sunday in 1946. They shut down. And people thought they were absolutely nuts. And really and truly in 46, they didn't think they were nuts. But as time moved on, they could not put two and two together. Now, I remember eating at a Chick-fil-A when I was a little kid. And there wasn't a dime a dozen all over the place. As a matter of fact, they have 14% less. uh, They're open 14% less days of the year than their competitors. And they dominate in the fast food chain. They, they have less uh, businesses open throughout the U.S., and they still beat the other chains in their, um, in their sales growth, in same-day uh, sales growth in all of them. One, one of, the, uh, one of, the, um, well, one of the, the, the co-founders from the Truett, uh, the Truett family, Truett Cathy, says, Closing our business on Sunday, the Lord's Day, is our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to Him. She wrote in a, in a book, or he wrote in a book there called Eat More Chicken, Inspire More People. Even in locations such as sports stadiums, they're closed, and even airports, they're closed on Sundays. And yet they're blowing everybody out of the water in their business. But people say, oh, you, if you close on Sundays, it won't be, you, won't be, uh, you won't be successful. And what some of the business guys begin to look at it, one guy said this, in, in an equity research founder, he said initially people might think, well, they're going to do less sales because they're closed uh, one day every week. But there are a lot of benefits to being closed on Sundays. Number one, he says giving employees and franchise, franchise owners uh, a day off each week allows them to relax and rejuvenate to return to their jobs and be more successful in the upcoming week. He says it provides a sense of urgency. You better get there on the restaurant today because they're closed tomorrow, right? And, you know, I don't think the company designed it that way, but it, it's a call for action every single week. And, and, guys, I can go ahead and tell you, when we've traveled to states and from meeting to meeting to meeting, uh, you know, we've said, well, we better go to, if we want to go to Chick-fil-A, we better go Saturday because they're not going to be open tomorrow. We've seen these places. People will queue all the way around and with four or five and six lanes deep, queue all the way around the car park just to go in there and eat. And guys, it ain't cheap. It's expensive food, man. I'm saying all that because they've gave, they gave the honor to the Lord Jesus Christ to that particular day and said, we're not going to be open. We're going to allow our operators, we're going to allow our employees to have the opportunity to be in the house of God where they belong on this particular day. And guys, guess what's happened? God has blessed them time and time and time over. They have the greatest, they have the greatest type of work ethic. You know, you're going to get waited on hand and foot in these places. You're going to be waited on by a smile. Why is that important? It's important, guys, because you know what? Some boundaries need to be set in our life as Christians. You say, well, preacher, we're too far gone. Well, if you say we think we're too far gone, you think your God's in a box. I don't think we're too far gone. Buddy, we are far gone. Don't get me wrong. We are deep, way down in a hole. But you know what happens when you get inside a hole? You stop digging. Amen? You start taking a stand. You start setting boundaries. You start performing the work that the Lord Jesus Christ left us here on this earth to perform. That pure work so that we are set apart from the rest of the world. 
And yes, we may be a minority, but you know what? Maybe we can produce a generation, should the Lord tarry his coming, produce a generation that will take a stand 10 years from now. And then they produce a, a generation that will take a stand 20 and 30 years from now. And then we see a rejuvenation of the house of God. A church that takes a stand on the preaching of the Word of God, the Bible, amen. Not all this slurpy false doctrine. False doctrine buildings are chuck full today. And I'm going to tell you another thing Well, as we get into John 14. Witchcraft is taking off in leaps and bounds right here in our village. People will put out a post on the Abadir uh, Facebook group inviting you to seances and, and get your spirit on and all this stuff right up the road here. And everybody just gives them all these flowers and they just, oh, they're just, they, all the sweet little comments. A man up in Abadir posted a, 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 an invitation to his church up at Park Church. A nice guy, I know the guy. And comments that came on there saying things like, you're trying to shove your religion down our throat. And yet you had this witch doing well over and beyond and nobody says a word negative to them. That's the world we live in. And if you're not willing to take a stand, it's going to get worse. You say, well, who's the problem? We're the problem. The ones who have not taken a stand, we're the problem. And we need to take a stand to be accounted for today. John chapter 14 this morning, if you open your Bibles there, we're going to look at verses 12 and 16. Uh, again, as Brother Andy had already read, we're going to get back into this pure work. Thus far, what we have seen in our outline is that we, we saw first and foremost as that as we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we do so for our hearts to receive a rescue. We know that there is a residence being built for us and prepared for us uh, in the heavens. And we look today for that return. And John 14, verse 12 tells us, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Which brings us to the next point. Our world today, our people today in our world needs a realization. Look again at verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Beloved, can you imagine today a greater work ever performed than the cross of Jesus Christ? I can't. And yet my Savior, the very one who went to the cross, says greater works than these. Because I'm going to my Father, but there's a greater work that's going to be done in this world today. I can't, I mean, but I believe the words of Jesus Christ. How can, how is there a greater work to be performed than to, than, than to, the, to see the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? The greater work that Jesus Christ is performing today, or, or I'm sorry, but speaking about today, is that the greater work than what he has already done is continuing on to lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's referring to. The way, the truth, and the life. To bring them to the foot of the cross. To bring them to the realization they need a Savior. I, I, some, a friend of mine that I know put out a quote today. 
And he said, is the gospel for all or is the gospel for some? And again, you know, they just wanted a conversation or whatever. And I, I, I don't chime in on those things rarely ever. Uh, about 99.9% of the time, I, I just read and go, read and go. But here's the deal. The gospel is for every living soul. Jesus Christ died once and he died for all. Every soul on this planet, Jesus, past, present, and future, Jesus Christ paid the sin for them. But you have to receive, you have to accept that free gift. That's the realization that a person needs to know. So I'm going to ask you a question here. According to, according to the Word of God, okay? Not according to fuzzy feelings, not according to what people want to hear, not according to lunatics down the street and all this and that. Tell me today, how is someone going to realize they are a sinner in need of a Savior today? How are they going to know? If little Johnny in the bush of Africa or in the bush of Australia, uh, if little Johnny never hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and dies in his own sin and goes to hell, whose fault is that? Is it Jesus's? Is it the Father's? Is it the Holy Spirit? Whose fault? Exactly. It's our fault. Time and time again, I've said missions is the heartbeat of God, but it's in our hands. If our world today is going to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are going to do so either by our mouth or our hands. Period. There is no other way to look at it today. If our world is going to be saved, they're going to have to realize they need a Savior. Amen? And they're not, they cannot realize they need a Savior lest you and I present the precious gospel to them in this world. A child of the king, you receive power like, like you've never thought that you could have. Not the power this world looks for, but the power to show someone eternal life. Better work, my soul. By the time John 14 is recorded, I want you to think about all the miracles Jesus had performed. I mean, think about all that he had done. Brother Calton mentioned the, the ten lepers. What a tremendous story. Amen? Can you imagine healing leprosy, Andy? Have anybody ever seen a leper in person? One of the greatest missionaries of our modern age is a man by the name of Tommy Tillman. One of my dear friends who's a missionary in Vietnam... Um, Mike Roberts learned how to go to the mission field by sitting in a hotel room listening to Tommy Tillman. We supported Tommy Tillman in our first church uh, for a decade, over a decade. Tommy came to the States. I had him come preach for me. I wanted our church to hear him personally. Dude had 14 stints in his heart, Andy, and was still reaching lepers in Leverty Colony in Thailand. We can't even get up and be at church on time. We can't even and make Bible study. We don't even reach our prayers. And this man's got 14 stents in his heart, amen, and he's still reaching lepers. Brother Tillman had visited Thailand, and he was passing out gospel tracts, and he, he leaned down to a man on the street there, and he gave him a gospel tract, and how they communicated, I don't necessarily know. Obviously, he knew Thai. And, uh, and so they began to discuss, and this is what the young leper said. He said, you, you, you preachers come over here, and you give us this gospel. You tell us of your God, but you never come to our house. You never come spend time with us. You never sit down with a meal. You know what Tillman did? Let's go. Went home. 
with this leper and his wife, and they made him a meal with their the residual limbs, the stumps that they had in his arms. And Tommy stayed there and slept on the floor in their house that evening. God burdened his heart for the, leper college, the lepers of Thailand. And he, he, he performed a work there like you can't even imagine. I don't think today that there is one of those lepers who, if given the opportunity to be thoroughly cleansed of leprosy and receive their hands and their nose and their ears and their toes back in full function, that they would say no. I don't know any one of them in their right mind that say, nah, I'm going to stay the way I am. And yet Jesus Christ, in his time on this earth, is healing leprosy. Put forth thy hand. Boom, here he comes. New hand, new gun. No lesions, no, hey, it's all gone, Amen. And yet he turns and he tells his disciples, and by proxy telling us, greater work than these you will do. And what is that greater work? That greater work, my friend, is not healing the physical sickness. Now God can do that. We're not going to do it. We left church on Wednesday night. The Avenue was out front. We left church on Wednesday night. Lisa and I got in the car. We pulled up Beto Street, got up on the Cardiff Road. And I saw about a half a dozen people on walking sticks and crutches and canes and, and Zimmer frames coming out of the healing center up the road here. I thought, boy, isn't that a sight. You put healing center on your church, amen. You got these people coming out. With, why don't you heal them, big boy? They'll get your doctrine right. Jesus Christ said, greater works than these shall ye do. But it takes a realization. And I believe we better work while it is day. As Jesus said, the night cometh when no man can work. Just think about it tonight or today. When a person is saved, when a person realizes they are a sinner separated from God, and they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to look at the resource they are given. The resource that you are given. Verse 13 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Beloved, we cannot have our prayers answered today because they are prayed upon our own lust, not our own love for, the, for one another, not our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But guys, when we pray, uh, when we pray unto, unto the Father uh, through the Holy Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ, those prayers are answered. But the resource we have is a 24-hour, seven-day access to the throne of God. <laughs> I, I, it, it's mind-boggling to me. Paul said, pray without ceasing. We should be in a, a constant and continual uh, opportunity of prayer. And I understand that throughout the workday, we get distracted, we get this and that. But how often do we just utilize that free access to the throne of the heavens, man? Or do you just put it off? I'll go to it when I need it. Man, what a resource. Good night, man. I would say that prayer is the most underutilized resource in the Christian world today. We have all the techni technical functions. We have all the technical functionality. We have all the lights, all the pops. We have all these things that, that can be done for us today. 
And we can look good. We can sound good. But none of those things are going to add up to a pure work outside of coming before the throne of God. I was told one time, keep short accounts with God. Don't wait until you get into the bind to get right with God. You do it now. Believers should repent every single day. Sinners should cry aloud to Christ and invite Him into their life today. And put it to the side, the things that are distracting. Put to the side the things that are not... Put to the side they're going to burn up with this world. The younger you are, the more time you think you have. 155,000 people die every single day, 1.8 per second. You think they're all 80 and above? No, sir. Just this past weekend, three college, college kids killed in a car accident that quick. Snuffed out. I'll pray tomorrow, Andy. Let me put it in my, I'm going to put it in my diary, and I'll come to the throne of heaven tomorrow greatest resource we ever have is having 24-hour access to the throne of heaven. And you know who provided that? Jesus Christ and his pure work. There's a pure work he did. Giving us the ability to bring the gospel to people so they'll have a realization that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And then giving us the resource, and when you're saved, giving us the resource to be able to come before God at any given time we want to. And that resource will provide a reliance in your life. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now that comforter in John 14, as you know, that is the Holy Spirit. We understand where Christ is at when he's saying these things. We understand what he's telling. He's saying, look, this is going to happen. I'm going to the Father. You can ask in my name, and whatever you ask in my name, uh, you're going to get it from the Father that, that he may be glorified in the Son. But I'm going to ask the Father that you get another comforter, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when a person is saved and born again, the Holy Spirit never, ever, 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 ever leaves the child of God. Don't you ever let somebody lie to you that you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That is a lie from the pit of the devil's hell tonight, today. I don't know why I think it's nighttime. The Comforter, guys, is the mighty guide in our life. Uh, when our life is full of troubles, when our life is, is dark and gloomy, when our life is bright as day and we're on the mountaintop experience, the Comforter is there. The reason we have uh, praise before we really do anything in the church on a Sunday, uh, the, the reason we have that opportunity is to praise what God has done through the Holy Spirit of God in our life and how He has protected and guided us and kept us safe on the roads. I mean, anymore, personally, anymore, I think we all should praise every single Sunday for being safe on the roads, amen. Walking or riding, amen, or driving. The Holy Spirit is that great God that when things seem, great guard, when things seem that they just could not uh, get any better, He comes in and just adds a little bit of light inside of our hearts. It's a reliance. The comforter is who and what you may rely on. In this life, Christ says, Christ, remember, He said, let not your heart be troubled. If Christ was away from us, our heart would be troubled. 
But we have a connection with the Son of God. Not only are in Him, spiritually speaking, but we got a connection through that Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, who has sealed us unto the day of redemption. Oh, my soul. That reliance gives us a reinforcement. A reinforcement. Reinforcement is a structural and a military term. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave uh, uh, with you, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Friend, Jesus Christ left us a peace on this earth. A peace, in fact, that we have a residence in heaven. Uh, a peace, in fact, that He will return one day soon. A peace, in fact, uh, that we must recognize the power of the Holy Spirit of God. A peace, in fact, that He is reliable and He is the reinforcement in our life, no matter the circumstances that may present in the given day. He is the reinforcement. One of my favorite visualizations in, in my crazy mind is, is when, when the young man said unto Elijah, said, Elisha, he says, oh, there's too many of them. There's too many of them there. And he, he prayed that God would open up his eyes. And he looked up on the mountains, and there was just a host of angel warriors there with, with chariots of fire. Amen. Ah, soul. Man, I tell you, I like that. I, I just, I want to see those things, man. I am a very visual person. My imagination runs 100,000 miles an hour. I want to see that mind. And yet here we are today in the New Testament, filled up with the third entity of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. There's my reinforcement, amen. We are reinforced today to get past our situations and circumstances in our life. And in all of those things, guys, lastly here this morning, we can rejoice. We can rejoice Verse 28 says, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Beloved, we should rejoice today in the way of Jesus Christ. We should rejoice today in the way that Christ has provided for us, the way, the truth, and the life. It should never get old. And I'm afraid today that salvation conversion, conviction has gotten old in our life. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And that ought to make you act a fool sometimes. I mean, that ought to make you, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, we get, we get chill bumps, we get goosebumps when we talk about things, you know. I tell you, I saw a 19, uh, <laughs> I saw a 1968 Shelby Cobra Online the other, yeah, oh, son. 429 Cobra Jet in it. Good night, Irene. I got goosebumps on my leg when I saw that thing. <laughs> How carnal is that, man? Nisi's never worried about me looking like naughty things on there. She catches me looking at cars, amen. You know, when you start talking about your salvation experience, when you start talking about what Jesus Christ did with you, when you start talking about that Holy Spirit coming inside of you, my goodness, you ought to get some goose pimples, Amen. I don't care how cold or hot it is. If you're not, you're callous. Amen? And the longer you come away from that fire, the longer you come away from that Holy Spirit, the longer you come away from that, that heat and that heart, the colder you're going to become. It's no different than taking the coal out of the fire and setting it on the hearth. It'll eventually be so cold that you can pick it up with your fingers, and we never want to be in that place. 
we should rejoice. I mean, can we rejoice today in the work that Christ has left us to do? Now, you better believe it. There's a greater work on this planet today to see a soul come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. George Whitfield said, O Lord, give me souls or take my soul. I wonder if we'd be willing to pray that prayer today. David Brainer, the missionary to the North American Indians from 1718 to 1747, this is what he declared. He said, Lord, to thee I dedicate myself. O accept of me and let me be thine forever. Lord, I desire nothing else. I desire nothing more. The famous evangelist Dwight L. Mooley implored. He said, use me, then my Savior, for whatever purpose and in whatever way thou mayest require. Here is my heart, an empty vessel. Fill it with thy grace. And the famous missionary to India, praying Hyde, said, Father, give me these souls or I die. We talk about a pure work in the world today that needs to be done. Can I say to you here this morning that what Jesus Christ has already done for you and what he's willing to do through you should cause you and I to rejoice. As Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the pure work that the Lord has left for us to do that he began, that he started on this earth today. It is our responsibility. We already have a reliance. We already have reinforcements. Hearts have been rescued. All of these things have come to pattern. And yes, we should rejoice rejoice in them. But do you know who's not going to rejoice today? Those who aren't doing the pure work. Those who have other things going on in their life. Those who said, I'm going to leave that for the preachers and the missionaries. May I say this to you this morning, friend? That's how a church, a community, a county, and a country dies that's how we die bible believing churches are empty in our area today first off there's very few second off they're empty today because the generations before us failed failed I, you know guys look i'm not trying to be offensive i'm just telling you the truth We don't have to keep going down the same road. We don't have to, you know, guys, we don't have to keep doing it. <clears throat> you know many counseling sessions I've had with young people who are dealing with a certain issue in their life, and the first thing out of their mouth is, yeah, well, my mom, my dad. And then I, I, I talk with parents, yeah, well, my mom and my dad. No, man. We today can break the cycle of cold and indifferent Christianity if you just realize what you got inside of you. People have had issues in church. I mean, they've gotten out of church. They've come back to church. They've left. They come. I mean, that's, that's happened for decades on end. Can, can I say this to you here, guys? If you get unhappy for whatever reason in life, and then you just, I'm going to quit going to church, please explain that to me. Please explain 
the validity in that. Let me ask you, what did God do other than send his only begotten son down here to die for you because he loved you? And you're going to take it out on God? This I, I I may or may not hit home. I, I pray that it hits home today. My prayer this morning, guys, is for us to understand that there is a pure work in the midst of our life that the Lord Jesus Christ started, that he left us here to do, that he said emphatically that we need to work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Our days are few, or our days are short. Our days, guys, are not promised. We are not promised the next day. So after, over the last several weeks, we've been going over this pure series. We've looked at pure wisdom. We've looked at a pure walk. We've looked at pure worship. We're looking at a pure work today, and, and now it's finished. So I'm going to ask you, what did you get out of it? Where's the purity in your life are you going to build upon this morning? Or you're just going to tick the box for another Sunday morning. We need to make sure that our heart is where it needs to be. And my mind is absolutely blown away when I read or when I read that in John 14. Mind you, John 14 is the very chapter that confirmed my heart of being called as a missionary, church planning missionary, right here. I wept for an hour over this chapter, about nine miles from here, in the wee hours of the night. Denise was at a ladies' retreat, and I was robbed of sleep, and I had no peace. And I reached over and grabbed that AV 1611 and I rolled off the bed and I opened up to John 14 and I read that chapter over and over and over and I wept tears onto that Bible as to what the Lord was doing. And at the end of the day, he says, let not your heart be troubled. At the end of the day, he says this, he says, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Let that sink into you this morning. You know, we're going to have our closing hymn in just mere seconds. But I want to say this to you. I'd rather you bow your heart. I'd rather you drop to your knees. I'd rather you sit in your pew and pray and plead with God that he would convict your heart and lead you into the direction that he would have you to go, that he would open up doors unto people's salvation in your life than for you to stand and sing. That's the challenge this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity today. I pray that you have your will and your way amongst your people this morning. Father, I pray if there be one listening today who knows you're not as Lord and Savior, you can't go back to that moment for that realization of being a sinner separated from thee. Lord, Father, that today would be the last moment of that that, uh, that unknowing time, that they would have that realization, Father, their hearts would be rescued, Lord, and that we reconciled unto the Father, looking forward to that return. Lord God, I pray for souls to be saved. I pray, dear God, for our society to be changed. I pray, dear Lord, for the Holy Spirit of God to move in the midst of our church, that we may be a lighthouse unto the lost, that we may be a place where people can be spiritually healed, Father, born again of the blood of Christ, Lord, and built up and trained up and discipled in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name I ask all of these things today. Amen. Amen.
Again, I hope and pray the preaching and teaching is a blessing to your heart. I'm going to let the song play. You do as you are led today. Feel free to sing. Feel free to pray.